Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin A.C., Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. There's Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Padres, Rangers, three games this weekend as we take this on Friday morning. You know, all anyone wants to talk about is a trade deadline. All right, here we go. Four <laughs> days to go. Uh, Ryan, where do you want to start? I'd like to start by talking about the trade deadline. Uh, you okay. had something uh, interesting in today's UT, I thought, which is that the idea... They still think they're essentially buyers. They still think that this team cannot play as poorly as it's played, that they can get hot and that they are buyers. Kevin, if they're buying, what are they buying? Uh, uh, Reliever, starter, DH who can play first base. Uh, Mm -hmm. How the order of that has shaken up, how those, you know, discussions are going, I am not clear. Mm -hmm. Um, It is both uh, terrifying as a beat writer and comforting that uh, AJ Preller is capable of everything. And, and anything and and you don't really know uh clearly it's not like it has been in, in some past years where we kind of had an idea what you know who maybe he was targeting uh, look i i just i get the arguments for both man i have gone back and forth on this before i even really started running this by people and talking to people in the organization oh this week i was it occurred to me like Wait, the way that they operate and the fact that you poured all this money in, are you really stopping two thirds of the way in when Mm -hmm. there have been enough signs that your team can be good? Mm -hmm. Now, everything I just said, I can counter, right? Right. Like, well, what about all the signs that have shown they can't be consistent? Right. You yes. just lost two or three of the Pirates. Yeah. But I, yes. And you lost two or three of the Nationals at home. You lost two or three of the Royals at home. You can't get a winning streak going to more than three. We can get into all that. And I go, yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Peter Seidler and the other owner's money. Mm-hmm. AJ Preller's vision. What is consistent with that? So then I you know, started to ask questions and just to, to see if that was, and I'm telling you, all I got was overwhelmingly that this team is not ready to pack it in and to give up and to concentrate on 2024 with the caveat that almost regardless, I got the impression, listen, no one's telling me exactly what's happening there, right? That if they got this incredible deal, right? Like, um, well, just for the sake of, of, uh, argument uh, and to make a point i'll use one of uh, aj preller's you know time-worn uh lines that he uses not in this case to be clear um but if someone offers him two tatises for snell snell's gone so my mm-hmm. the point being that they are buyers and sellers at, at this yeah. point but with the idea that they plan to improve their team somehow right well i think that too they can be buyers and sellers by let's say trading Josh Hader, but not Blake Snell, right? Okay. Let me throw this There's an argument. You can make the argument. Do you get Joe Kelly instead? Like, I mean, so, but yeah. yeah. I mean, mean, you're trading. So you're paying Robert Suarez like a closer anyway. Robert Suarez has been back for a week, but Robert Suarez certainly looks like the Robert Suarez we all remember. Except for that. One bomb home run. Yes, except for that one home run. You're already paying him like a closer. He's going to be the closer next year anyway. Just, okay, we're going to start him as the closer six months early or nine months early. You could, in theory, trade Josh Hader for somebody who can help your club today, say a DH or a second baseman or something, and you have both bought and sold, right? Is you've made a smart move, I think, by getting rid of a guy who's not probably going to re-sign for big money with all the money that they've sunk into their bullpen already. 
and you've gotten better. Now, the question is, a team that needs a Josh Hader probably isn't willing to give you a starting position player, right? So yeah. you could, I mean, you could go three-way deal. You could try to bring in somebody else. But like, I think that the idea that they can must be either a buyer or seller is kind of an antiquated notion, especially with AJ Preller, who will try to turn, you know, try to make two plus two equal five at some point, right? Or he outthinks people, I think, when it comes to this stuff sometimes. Sometimes outthinks himself, but yeah. yes. Yes, yeah. I, I think it would be difficult to imagine that someone concocts as much in his head and with his lieutenants as as AJ Preller does, and that's just sure. based on evidence sure. of, of the types of deal he's pulled off. Yes, absolutely, that that could be a case. Your point of what is a contender willing to give up? Is it a platoon first baseman? You know, I gosh, mm-hmm. don't know, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that's a lot. Uh, generally, mm-hmm. it's Buyers and sellers, it's generally a prospect uh, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy. So, Kevin, okay, so we starting pitcher, some bullpen help, somebody who can play first base. I know that the Padres think higher of their prospects than the experts do. Padres, we're confident, have pieces to go get what they want here uh, by giving up only minor leaguers? Yes, Yes, okay. it's going to take the right partner who will take lower level minor leaguers, you know, with a greater upside. And, and the Padres then have to decide which one of those because they are, however it looks, going to try to supplement their roster, which does have a lot of money committed to it over the next, say, you know, five to 10 years. They're going to try and supplement it with your Ethan Salas, your Jackson Merrill. And I'm not saying that I don't think anyone necessarily is untouchable besides Salas. Um, you're not saying that Merrill couldn't be traded at some point because that would be silly for us to think that he couldn't. But like they plan to, to realize some fruits from their uh, minor leagues uh, a little bit more, I think, than they have in the past where those those uh, prospects have been used as capital for trades. Sure. Um, sure. But yes, they believe that they have the pieces to get that done. And I want to make clear, like we have uh, used the word first base. Like Jake Cronenworth's not going anywhere. No. Um, but would their DH be able to fill in at first base? Mm-hmm. You know, and when when uh, Cronenworth's playing, their DH be the DH, and then sure. have a first baseman because clearly, like Matt Carpenter is all but out of the picture. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, they just don't have. They've got to get more production. Sure. I, I think everything is going every day. That's a wonderful short term solution that you had. Uh, Luis Camposano and Gary Sanchez both kind of producing and making you feel a little bit comfortable about one of them being the DH, but you can't do that every day. No, no. I, I think everything you need to know about Matt Carpenter can probably be explained with the fact that, by the fact that Taylor Colway was up with the game on the line two days ago. Yeah. And with Matt Carpenter still on the bench. Um, yeah. yeah. Kevin, there was a national report and it's not your job to speculate, but there was a national report out there the other day where it's like, well, they'd listen on Soto. Mm-hmm. Is that in line with anything you've heard? More off-season? I mean, uh, again, like, I, some people have ruled out Soto, and I just don't buy it. So uh, I, I I don't think he's signing here long-term. I don't think that, that they'll be – I don't want to say interested. I don't want to, like, have people run with that. But, like, I just don't think he's going to – I don't think he's re-signing here. Um they wanted to get him for three pennant races. That would be great. But if, again, they can improve their team, he's not long-term. And there is always, 
always been the whole thing of, you know, we could move this guy. We could flip this guy right. if if we wanted to. Right. But Soto's not the player he was a year ago. What? Is he? I mean, if you're flipping him, are you flipping we, him at a loss? Look, I think that there's some thought that he's not. He hasn't been performing at that. But you absolutely see the you absolutely see the ability uh, from from Juan Soto, and I think that ours, the the media um, fans who maybe weren't as familiar with him, had this outsized notion that was only enhanced by the fact he turned down four hundred forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. That this was one of the greatest players in the history of the game that was coming to the Padres, and he was going to like do everything that you know that, that was possible and and carry this team and. He hasn't, but it's kind of hard to discount his consistently around 900 OPS and his consistently around 4 to 420 on base percentage. Go ahead and name me the other players that are doing that, and it's a handful. So he could bring back quite a bit. Yeah, this is – Kevin, I think in many ways he's he's an interesting sort of inflection point for old school versus new school. Um, New school – and I think that I consider you a little bit of a new school guy. New school people look at a guy who gets on base 42% of the time and they go, put him in the Hall of Fame. Old school people go, where are the big hits from Juan Soto, right? Now, he had one against the Pirates and he had a great catch against the Pirates. But the sort of highlight real things that he's provided to this club in the last year, it's a short loop, you know? It's, it's some big hits here and there. Uh, he's a guy whose primary skill is getting on base and a lot of times that means walking into a certain segment of the Padre fan base. There's nothing sexy about that. Well, and to a certain section of people in baseball as well. It's like no. there does need to be more production from Juan Soto. But absolutely. And, and production being driving in runs. Production being two base hits and four base hits. Uh, absolutely there does for the purposes of what he was brought here to do. Um, right. I just – I don't know how much value he's lost. I don't think he's lost as much value, if any, that as as the rest of us have sort of wondered about over the last year. Right, right, right. And here's the thing. If they're going to trade and try to get value out of anybody in the big four, he's the only one they that you even can. think about. They well, can't. Can. I mean, Tatis is untouchable, I mean, for a thousand reasons. Well, besides that he has a no trade. I mean, so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's one of them, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> but the only one that they can trade is, is, is Soto, so. Yeah, yeah. And it would make no sense to sell low on Xander Bogarts, even if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, this is, if they wanted to get a prospect haul, Soto would be the guy. But is that still something that you would say would be unlikely as we head towards the trade deadline? Yes. Yes, and really, and I know that you know. Let's also remember, though I don't know that it's a um, any more of a concern just because he got an MRI, and we don't know the results yet um, uh, on on the what middle finger of his right hand. Um, but you know, the other team would have to check that out. What's the long term of that? Um, but I, I I think everyone would be surprised by the way that if there was anything that was to keep Juan Soto from playing. Uh, right now other than pain tolerance right right and this is a guy who played every game before thursday and, and thursday pinch hit. yeah multiple times after getting this the, the little stinger effect in his finger like one pitch or two pitches or one at bat later hit like a bomb so right. 
like whatever it is that's happening there. And he had an MRI in January. So it's something that's been going on, but whatever it is that's happening there is not something that's keeping him from playing or being effective. Yeah. And I mean, you could argue that Wednesday night might've been one of his best games this year as a Padre. I mean, he has yeah, I mean, in terms of just catch. talk about I mean, the, the the production, right? right. Like, there's yeah. been games he's got on four and five times, but and and there have been games. I mean, one of he had the only um, run; it was a home run and a one to zero victory. He had, you know, there's a lot of times where Juan Soto has done his job. I mean, including walking, I guess, with the bases loaded, he didn't get a pitch to hit. I mean, if I'm David Bednar, I don't do that either. If you see who's coming up, but there have been a lot of times. But I think that absolutely, that's in his top like two or three games of, of the year, especially since he's been a, you know, it's not, it's not a stress to say he's been a liability at, at times on defense. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, for him to right for him to make, I mean, what was at the time a lead saving. Catch. He saved Steven Wilson there. Whereas he cost him in Philadelphia um, uh, by his route to a uh, fly ball. Once sure. when Steven Wilson gave up two runs and one of those come from ahead losses. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, depth on this team or Tom Krasovic had something earlier this week about this. Um, I know that you've maintained all year that it's the big four and I, and I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, but you're at the end of a close game against the Pittsburgh friggin' pirates. And you look down the bench and it's Taylor Colway. And then after that, it's Trent Grisham who, who's been hitting better. Um, if they want to make the playoffs, they're going to need to get deeper. Does that come at the expense of somebody like Colway or, you know, it's sort of the last the handful of guys on the team. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, this has been there. Some people in the organization's lament and, and certainly the rest of us uh, <clears throat> at times our criticism that, you know, you were banking on uh, not just one, but, but you were, you were hoping Cruz and, and Carpenter could continue to be what they were in April. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that they were options. Well, neither one of them have really taken to being pinch hitters, not, not great about it or, or great at it. Um, that's not to say they've, I mean, they've done it, but like, they really have no choice. You know, when people mm-hmm. talk about, oh, he's really, you know, bought in. Well, neither one of them really bought in. I'm not saying they were jerks about it, but they just, they weren't comfortable doing it. And so, um, and they hadn't done it in their careers and it, it, it can be a, an art and especially mm-hmm. for a guy who's been in the league for, you know, in Nelson's case, 20 years and, and Carpenter's case, 10 years. Um, and, and that's who you were banking on. And, and there was Matt Carpenter on the bench. As right. you pointed out, right. uh, I thought Kraz's and I, I even started to write up um, a both a agreement and a rebuttal uh, to Kraz's uh, column for for newsletter. And it just didn't get I didn't flesh it out enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had other things to write about. He absolutely you need depth pieces and absolutely depth pieces win you games. The reality is this team was constructed for the big four to carry it. And it was constructed in a way that other teams aren't constructed. All right. I can make the argument that the Dodgers big four, which isn't close in terms of money um, to the Padres big four, but that Freeman Betts, Smith and uh, Martinez carry the Dodgers. But yes, they do have some depth pieces, James Altman, um, some others that, and they always have like every year. Right. Mm -hmm. But it is Betts and Freeman yeah. And a catcher with an 800 OPS or seven something OPS, which is rare, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a DH they got on a one year deal that are carrying them. But, yeah, the depth. Fine. Well, but the Padres were were built that with the idea that these guys would be at least what they've normally been, the big four, mm-hmm. and that not only would that make up for some other deficiencies, it would be the, uh, you know, the rising tide. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that right. helps Cronenworth. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they haven't performed to that until recently. I would say recently they've been close, the big fourth in July. Mm-hmm. Close. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought that was a it was, it was a good read by Kraz. And and Kraz is is a you know, Kraz is a as close to a a scout and uh, you know, uh, a thinking man's baseball fan. I mean, he's really, you know, I thought that was very for something that I sort of really kind of disagreed with. I thought, you know, which that's a lost art, by the way, uh, being able to disagree with something and think it was good. Yeah. To respect the argument, but disagree with it. No. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Kevin, by the way, it's funny. You're talking about the big four and you bring up JD Martinez. J- What's JD Martinez making? Is it about what Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz made combined? I think that sounds right, but I, 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 okay. I can't, but I'll tell you, I know your point. Let's go with the spirit of your point. Spirit of my point, which is the Dodgers took a flyer on a guy who's who was an all-star this year. It wasn't the quite the flyer took, of these two guys, but you're still the spirit of your point. Right. Padres took two flyers, hoping that one of them would become somebody, and they've already cut one guy, and they're probably going to cut the other one. Right, and one was a $1 million flyer I've got no problem with, but sure. then your backup to him, your you know answer to him, your mirror, your left-hander, left-handed hitter, mm-hmm. was another flyer for for more money. Mm-hmm. For significantly more money and w- one more year, which means they're just going to end up eating whatever they owe Matt Carpenter, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is going to become Ian Kinsler part two in that they're just going to pay pay a guy not to play for them, right? Yes. Ian Kinsler, less money, and Ian Kinsler, a investment in the clubhouse. Yes. Right. Right. Somebody you know, they that thought they was... didn't need. Um, yeah. But, but yes, but I just want to point out, like, there were some things of, hey, Ian Kinsler, here's a good guy to have around. Yeah. 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 Former Texas Ranger. Because it was 2019. Yes. Because, right. And you needed guys like that around. Right. Uh, Kevin, not to turn this into uh, Ryan talks about other stories in the newspaper other than yours, but um, Annie Heilbrunn had something really cool. It's up on uh, our website right now, and I encourage readers to, to take a look at it. Indeed. Um, it's a, it is a total counterpoint to all the, Inside baseball, and I mean that literally, that, that we're going into here. It's about Fernando Tatis and right field and the interplay that he has with the fans on a daily basis out there. Kevin, you're there every day. You've seen this since spring training. What makes him special in that regard? Yeah, well, first off, I'm really glad that she got to do this and that that we have that ability to have her do this because, like, that's like what she's like really good at, and 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 the way that she. Um, connects to the subject and then can portray it. I thought this was, it was really well done. So yes. read it. And yes. And, 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 and also the, I guess the reason that I was glad for that is because I have to get so deep into this team, these stories slip through and that sort of breaks my heart that I don't get to tell these stories more because it's a cool story. Right. Mm-hmm. So as much as we're down on this team and yada, yada, like it is a scene out there with, Fernando Tatis Jr. in right field. And that doesn't take away from the disappointment of the team or anything like that. It's just, it's cool to have that. Now, they should also be winning. But man, um, the way the fans out there have responded, the way that has become the hot ticket, as as one person was quoted in there, they were going to move from their right field seats. It occurred to them that Tatis was going to be there and that, you know, they should stay. And and that, you know, clearly the the idea was they haven't been disappointed. you know, I saw it once when I went out and sat in the bleachers in Wrigley. I did not realize. I mean, I mean, I, I, I apologize. I did not realize how much some uh, folks love Tatis's tight pants. 
Um, I did not realize that. And, and it was very clear. Um, so especially get a couple brews in them or, or white claws. Uh, it, it's quite the scene out there. One thing that I love to do is a little game. I play with myself, walk into the ballpark um, on the road. And oftentimes it's with a parent who has the home team's uniform on. And then the kid has the Padre, a Padres uniform uh, jersey top on. And so I, I walk past and I look back and nine times out of 10 isn't close. It's 99 times out of 100. It's 23 Tatis Jr. on the back. Absolutely. Kids love Tati. Yep. It, I've got three of them, Kevin, and uh, and they all love Tatis before I took this job, before they knew what I did for a living. Any of this, there's, there's something about him that I think people gravitate to. You know, I, I was lucky enough in 1998 to um, – go to Wrigley uh, for, I was in Chicago for something, went to Wrigley. I had never been to a baseball game before without a scoreboard, Kevin. I was instantly bored. It's no joke, bored out of my skull at Wrigley field. Um, but it was, it was Sammy Sosa and Sammy Sosa sprinting out to right field was the coolest moment of the game. <laughs> and, and when you think about the relationship that he had with the fans in Chicago and the fact that they were able to eventually forgive, I think, a lot of, or some of his missteps with suspensions and stuff. Um, you know, it reminds me a little bit of this Tatis thing and, and maybe the Tatis thing's even more special. Um, you know, it's, it's a love. It is, it is. And without like the whole comparison thing, it's, it's, it's unfair sometimes. Um, it's a, it, it's that he understands and he was built, you know, from the time he was born to be this guy in terms of like, he understands it and has the personality to play off it. And that's not anything against other people that don't. Manny Machado is a superstar. Manny Machado is great to kids. Okay. Um, and, and, and does respond uh, when, especially with only kids and, uh, but Manny Machado also like, doesn't interact a lot with fans almost like they're not there. That's what works for Manny Machado. Mm -hmm. What that does nothing against Manny Machado. What makes Tati special is he does do all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And yet still performs at this level. And I mean, there's the flair, and and so that's just a special level of superstar. Well, and and kids, I think, can sniff out phoniness. Um, I think that they have a pretty good job. I, I, Sorry, my, I didn't mean opinion. to do that. Sorry. <laughs> it's my opinion that kids can, kids are pretty good at that, at um, recognizing when they're being kind of pandered to. Um, the Tati stuff is not in that. Oh, I mean, it feels very, it's, look, it's yes. Very organic. Yeah. Yes. The beauty of them, and I don't, maybe I'm getting too far in the weeds here. They don't feel like being that guy every day, and I do not blame them. And if you do, then I guess you've never been busy and tired and overworked. Right. And Tatis rarely, if ever, doesn't step up to the occasion of at least playing the part of Tatis. Mm -hmm. That is right. a whole other level of like, and I'm I'm agreeing with you saying it's sincere. This is who he is, but also like being Tatis can be very difficult. Like yeah. it is rock star freaking level on the road during batting practice. Tatis, Tatis, Tatis. Like it, and especially in some places, New York, Miami. And it's not like he turns around and waves all the time or he'd never do batting practice. Um, but he responds to it. 
and he knows when to respond to it. And I just, that is admirable because I know how difficult this grind is. I don't know what it's like to be a major league baseball player, but I definitely know how difficult this grind is that these guys go through. And, and I think he's just, uh, he is absolutely another level. Bob Melvin has a great quote in in Annie Heilprin's story, and I suggest you read it. Um, It's Bob Melvin goes, it's basically, it's awesome. And I'm the world's most old school guy. And if I think it's awesome, everybody should think it's awesome, essentially, which is, the the sitting down in in the outfield during a replay the the sort of getting the fans on your side on big pitches and, and the histrionics i mean bob melvin thinks it's cool and bob melvin probably doesn't like a whole lot of that out of a whole lot of people which is pretty cool bob melvin is what i wish all and i'll say old he's only 10 years older than me and we we agree on a lot of things in in life and 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 in the changing uh demographics uh He's what I wish that everyone could do and still be old school and say, you know, I'd prefer this, but man, this is fun, <laughs> you know? And it can, you know, like I, 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 you can tell by the, by how he expands on it. He's not just saying it cause it's his player. He does appreciate what Tatis does. Sure. Uh, Kevin, real quick. I'm going to hit you with two more old school things before we go. Number one, um, the pirate series could have turned ugly a couple of times. Manny Machado gets hit between the shoulder blades. He's a guy who in the past hasn't been afraid to mix it up. I thought what he said afterwards was very mature and a sign of a guy in the middle of what he thinks is a pennant race. Um, Were you surprised that that did not end up escalating? I was not. I thought the umpires did a fantastic job. Okay. I thought the umpires did a fantastic job, that there was no doubt that it was on purpose and um, as as weird as it was that like, well, there was no warnings, nothing. He's just gone. And the manager's gone. And, and it was, it was clear on the field to everyone, obviously to the league too. Um, and it was, it was clear that was on purpose and that they, they took care of it. And I thought that was good. I thought Carlos Santana handled it well. Uh, the first baseman for the pirates. I, it was, it was very well, it was very, uh, it was handled very well. Right. And a couple, again, got away from the Pirates on Thursday. Was that viewed in the Padre clubhouse as anything approaching intentional? No, but had it happened again. Okay. Because those weren't on purpose. And I don't think anyone thought they were on purpose. There does come a point where it doesn't matter. Right. Stop right? hitting You're, like, yeah. like that guy, to his credit, kept going inside too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oviedo. credit to him. He kept going inside. That's uh, how you take care of a couple guys on the Padres and how he needed to. And he did it very well. So credit to him. But yes, I, uh, people didn't think it was on purpose. Had it kept going, we might've had a problem. Sure. Joe Musgrove is going to pitch against the Rangers this weekend uh, for the first time since he threw that no hitter. Kevin, I don't know how many media members from San Diego were there that night, but you were, uh, what's your, what's your list? Yeah, <laughs> really? It was just you? Yes. Well, what's your one lasting memory of that night? How happy everyone was. Uh, that that was really cool. Like, I mean, it was really cool that um, that it was definitely a highlight of the season as it ended up. Um, how my lasting impression of that was how San Diego responded to it. And it, I knew that everyone had been waiting for it, right? But that it was so important to so many people that the that the Padres got their first no hitter and that it was a San Diegan that that really hit me afterward like how much people in San Diego 
were waiting for that no hitter and how special it was. And I think that it could fit into the puzzle piece of, of the growth of this franchise if they can ever get out of their own way and, and, and win a World Series. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. I'll, I'll tell you what, I've had very few moments in my life, uh, the where were you moments. I can tell you where I was when Garvey hit the home run. I can tell you where I was when Tony Gwynn put one off the facade in Yankee Stadium in 98 in the World Series. And I can tell you where I was that night. And um, I don't know. I just I think it's very cool. And uh, you're right. The response to Joe Musgrove from a beer standpoint alone, Kevin, he got beer for life from Ballast Point. He got he has his own hard seltzer now. Have you had a mango Musgrove or Musgrove mango yet? I have okay. not. And he has his own beer now. And that's just beer. <laughs> this is a guy who's become, I think, if you're a native San Diegan, he's probably your favorite Padre. I think that that's uh that would be justifiable too. And I hope that people appreciate how, how much he's embraced this, yeah. how much he has embraced coming home uh, and embraced being a leader while performing. Yeah. In a way that again, is not fake in a way that it seems very no, no, Joe's all real. Yeah. He's all real. He's all real. East County guys, man. They're all real. All of them, all of them, Kevin, um, <laughs> depending. Uh, we'll talk with these days about whether you consider my new neighborhood East County or not. You, you may, um, but but that's a different show. That's a different show. If um, it is, it's only by a couple feet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll do it for uh, this episode of the Hot Lala Podcast. Kevin, the next time we talk, there may be trades to discuss. You will be in your favorite place on earth, Denver, Colorado, correct? <sighs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It used to be a beautiful town. It's okay. <laughs> so they put a baseball field there, which, by the way, I love Coors Field. It's just in the wrong place. Right. It's, remember when remember when Matt Kemp hit for the cycle there? That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Will Myers too? Didn't Will yeah. Myers do that too? Yeah. Beautiful uh, ballpark. Beautiful. Awesome. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody. Yeah.